Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Today, Carl, Eric, and Nick preview the two more draft-eligible quarterbacks for the 2018 NFL Draft class, as well as start to break into the actual NFL Draft with a first 10-pick mock draft. You are listening to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kindle and Mr. Eric Trickle is joining us here today. Gentlemen, how is your evening going? My evening is going fantastic. I had a very eventful morning, you know, being called a local blogger. It's going pretty good. Yeah, mine is going pretty well also. Spent the last hour and a half breaking down the Raiders with you, Carl, and we're going to be here for another hour talking some draft prospects. So talking football for three hours and the girlfriend's already back home for Thanksgiving break. So I got the apartment to myself and just can really sit here in my underwear. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's only for Eric. Uh, sit here in my underwear and just talk some Bronco football. So it's, it's great, especially talking the draft. I love it. Love it. All right. Well, this show's thing is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you this draft podcast every single week leading up to the draft. And we'll probably even continue a little bit after. With Nick, Eric, and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing you these draft episodes with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the prospects from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter, at Carl Demler, MHH, as well as follow Nick, at Nick Kindle, MHH, and Eric, at Eric Trickle. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco and draft football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account, at HuddleUpPod, and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as Bronco and football crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And of course, YouTube as well. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Alrighty. Well, today we are going to be breaking down two more quarterbacks. Now, we're not sure if the Denver Broncos will be taking a quarterback in the first round this year. There has been some rumors for it, but it's still a long way to go. And, you know, maybe they don't like this class so much. There's still a lot of the evaluation left. I feel like sometimes the media is even a little bit farther along than the NFL teams at this point, just because there's a lot of tape that's still to be dissected and boards to be made. But for now, we got to start at the top and talking quarterbacks. Today, we're going to talk about one blue chip. Some would argue blue chip, some wouldn't maybe. And as well as one more second, second round, third round, maybe fourth round kind of guy, just to start to really talk some of these prospects in this class and specifically with the quarterback. But first today, we're going to talk about the always interesting, always entertaining, uh, loved and hated quarterback of the Oklahoma Sooners, the five foot two quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. Six foot, 220 pounds, Baker Mayfield, or as Eric has in the comments here, the GOAT. I'm not so sure about the GOAT, but he's definitely an interesting prospect. A native of Austin, Texas, only was a three-star recruit, according to rivals. Uh, a lot of that probably has to do with his height. Uh, walked on at Texas and won the starting job as a freshman and started seven of eight games there, played pretty well, but was benched and took issue with his standing at Texas Tech and decided to transfer to Oklahoma and walked in without any assurance from their coaching staff that he'd make the team or start or anything, but made the team and took a red shirt. Uh, Then his sophomore year, he started all 13 games, ended up starting all 13 games as a junior, voted a team captain this year. However, it hasn't been all roses since he's been at Oklahoma He was arrested in February this past year for public intoxication, disorderly conduct, fleeing and resisting arrest in Arkansas, where an officer came to the scene to a fight. Uh, Mayfield claimed he was trying to break it up, but I mean, sounds like Chad Kelly there. What do you think about that? (laughs) In 2014, uh, he also had some tragedy. His mother and his aunt were in a serious car accident, but has 
has some interesting uh, family history in baseball. His brother was a walk-on at Texas A&M. And he says he models his game after Brett Favre, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees, which if you're a quarterback that's six foot uh, with the personality of Brett Favre and kind of the, the gameplay size deficiency that you see from Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, I mean, there's no better quarterbacks for him to base his game off of. But is he going to be the next Russell Wilson, Drew Brees? I, I'm not too sure. But let's. I guess I got to start off. Last week, I feel like I kept giving it to Carl. Eric, I know you called him the GOAT. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. But what do you see from when you watch Baker Mayfield? I see a quarterback that he can do basically anything you want. You don't have to have him in a certain offense. You can work any kind of offense to fit his skill set. He's not one who's he doesn't need to stand just in the pocket. He doesn't need to constantly be on the move. It's you can do with him what Seattle does with Russell Wilson and a lot of it, I mean in Seattle granted a lot of it is that they do do what they do to cover up their deficiencies of the offensive line and that is with the deteriorating offensive line play in the NFL. That's one thing that you got to be willing to do. He's got a he's got a pretty big arm. You, he I've seen him make all different kinds of throws. I mean, granted, the Oklahoma Sooners' offense isn't exactly a pro style system, but it's still an offense that is one where you can still see a lot of these pro style stuff. And they actually incorporated some concepts, pro, pro concepts, into their offense this year a little bit. But the biggest thing for me is how big of our hands. I've heard rumors that they're actually over ten inches. I find that a little bit hard to believe from what I've seen of them. I mean, granted, he can't really judge from pictures and his emotions. I, I was actually fine with what he did against Kansas. I mean, he took some cheap shots, refusing to shake his hands and stuff like this. But in the NFL, there's a lot more eyes on you. You, you kind of got to dial it back a little bit. And then you have the whole pegging a um, TCU player in the head during warmups. Yes, they went into their area where they were warming up and ran in front of his receiver. But it looks very, very obvious to me that he did it on purpose. That's just stuff. That's not going to happen. It's going to cause fights. But he's emotional. He's a competitor. And when you're as fierce of a competitor as he is, the emotions will kind of take over at times. I see a quarterback that I, I like a lot of the intangible stuff that he brings to the table. I, I'm not one that the whole, what are we going to call it, crotch gate? Is that what we should call it? I'd rather not call anything ever crotch gate. <laughs> If we can avoid <laughs> okay. that phrase for the history of ever, okay. let's All not right. call it Crotchgate. Oh my God, that sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> that does, it does, it does. But whatever that incident was, I, that really didn't bother me too much. Honestly, it just shows some of his emotion. Maybe he has some maturity issues that you have to kind of figure out as a scout and as a coach of what you want to take on. But I've heard his teammates love him, coaches love him. He's just a guy that, that people love to play with. And uh, I mean, that's something the Broncos have missed since Manning. You know, everybody responded well to, to Manning being in the room. He Manning walks in the room and people take notice. Part of that is he just built up that kind of star power. But, but it's going to be the same thing with, with Baker Mayfield. He's going to walk in the room and people are going to to know that he's there because he just has that kind of personality. And and I kind of like in my quarterback, I like having a little bit more. I don't know what you want to call it. Bravado or whatever you just that in your face. A little bit more, I believe in myself, a little bit more of the cocky side of things. That I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with that. I, I think it's actually a good thing to have as a quarterback because he is one that he he can he can throw some interceptions. He will make some bad throws during a game. He will make some very bad decisions. But I do love that he is a guy that can bounce back and and still go out there and be aggressive. The best quarterbacks out there are the ones that know how to continue to stay in a game, not let one bad decision get them down. I, I always think of it with my, my dad golfing. He and I golf all the time and he's a pretty good golfer actually, but I beat him almost every single time because he has that one hole where he has one bad shot and then it just spirals out of control for the rest of the hole. He can never get it back. And, and it's the same with, with a lot of different quarterbacks out there. Trevor Simeon this year, you see that he's really spiraled, had a couple bad games and he just never could get it back. Pressure started getting to him. So with Baker Mayfield, I don't really worry about those kind of things. There are some concerns. The height, it's a little bit of a concern. We're going to see a little bit more of the measurements. I, I'm a little bit more concerned about the hand size than I am about the height because I feel like you can still game plan around height. That That's really not a big issue. And in any way, any more with how tall offensive linemen are, unless you're like a Paxton Lynch or Brock Osweiler sitting there at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, it's still going to be hard to see over your offensive line. 
you're still going to have to be looking through windows if you're a quarterback. So again, the height thing doesn't bother me too much. I do have some concerns about him in cold weather or bad weather with wind. That KU game, that, that's the more of the concern for me in that one was watching him have a lot more of throws that were off, off tempo, off target, overthrowing, underthrowing. He just, it wasn't his best game for sure. And I just, I wish, I hope that we can have another bad weather game for him just to see, is that an anomaly or is that the real Baker Mayfield? Because I really do think that should be part of the evaluation, especially coming to Denver, where you don't know what the weather's going to be. I was there obviously two weeks ago for, for the Broncos game against the Patriots. There was some wind swirling there. It was cold. How does that affect him? It's just, it's going to show up in Denver. It's going to show up when he plays any kind of North teams, AFC, NFC North teams. Um, So again, I I just have a few concerns about him. I do. I think the other thing for me when I was watching him is, and this is no fault of his own. Oklahoma has the best athletes on the field almost every single game. And there's just so many of his throws where guys are just wide open. So some of the tight window throws that I saw with him weren't always the most accurate guys having to slow down just a little bit or make tough catches. And so how many of those open throws when he gets to the NFL, when they're not open, can he still make those throws? I think he's a highly accurate quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but it's just things are going to be closed down a lot more. And I see it, especially in the red zone with him where he had some struggles. He used his legs a lot more in the red zone, which is a good thing. I mean, that's fine. That's part of his game. But I, I just saw him with windows closing down. He would pull down the ball a lot more. So again, these are just some concerns I have that I just need to get a little bit more information about this guy. I need to see a little bit more from him to really kind of understand where he is as a football player. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like it's kind of like the whole Lamar Jackson debate with Louisville. They don't really run a pro style offense, but they do run some passing schemes that are pro style. But I feel like 90% of his passing routes come off of some sort of shotgun play action because what does Oklahoma run for like eight yards of carry? It feels like that's what they run, especially in the big 12 because big 12 defenses are puke, puke worthy bad. But I feel like he does what he's asked to do and he does it efficiently. One thing I love about Baker Mayfield, I don't think he has the best arm. It's, it's definitely adequate, but it's not somebody where you watch him push the ball outside the hash marks and you're like, wow, that guy can make every NFL throw. You know, he's not going to be a great fit in a Bruce Arians offense where they're running, you know, the flood concept to beat that cover too. Yeah, that's not the quarterback he is. But if you can play him in a scheme, you know, especially West Coast, where he's asked to use his mobility a little bit and use that tight end, the middle of the field, sideline, especially getting outside the hash marks, because he does a great job throwing it on the run. I think that's that's where he makes sense schematically. I agree with both of you guys. The hand measurement's going to be very interesting. He's not a big guy, especially watching him on tape. It's Pretty funny. I think Oklahoma's probably got one of the bigger offensive lines in football because Baker Mayfield looks like a munchkin out there, especially compared to Orlando Brown Jr., who's, what, six foot eight, 360 pounds. But I do like how Baker Mayfield is certifiably hashtag thick. That 220 pounds, that's legit. So if he was small and skinny, I, I would be absolutely not about it because he's going to get killed in the NFL. But he looks like a guy who's has good muscle on his frame. So I think he's going to be able to take the pounding and move around and – take care of the football, which is really important for those quarterbacks. I don't think he's a great straight line athlete. He's more shifty and smart than he is uh, explosive, but that works for a quarterback. You know, we're not looking for a guy that can run 40 yards down the field. I mean, if you can do that, that's great, but that's not super important for a quarterback where he uses his athleticism is to buy time as a passer, which is something we've harped on with Paxton Lynch doesn't do it as much as he should, even though he has great potential to do so. I do really like how Baker Mayfield moves in the pocket as well. I feel like years prior, he seeked chaos or sought chaos. And that is just not consistent or not something you can do consistently in the NFL. This year, he's been much better in the pocket and escaping only really when he has to or when it's called in the play design. Uh, He's very tough to bring down in the pocket as well. I love that about him. He's a super competitive. You got to really bring it as a defender to bring him down in the pocket. You know, he's not Big Ben Cam Newton back there, but... As far as escaping and being strong and breaking out of arm tackles in the pocket, I really do like that. Finally, I think that he does a decent job going through progressions. Granted, it's not the best scheme for you know an NFL style going through progressions, but I don't see him make many bad reads. I feel like most of his bad reads are pre-snap rather than when after the snap. Uh, sometimes you'll see him force a throw like a screen or something where it's obvious when you pause the play that 
the defender's coming downhill, and if you throw that pass, you're going to put it in a lane where it could be picked off. I see him make that mistake every once in a while, but as far as going through progressions, when the bullets are flying, I think he does that pretty well. He never looks stressed. He never looks scared. He's going through his progressions and making the right read most of the time. And something to, to kind of tie into that a little bit is I love that his feet are always moving. Yes. And I love that he does a great job of squaring up of where he's going to throw. That is something yes. that we see a lot of college quarterbacks not do where they just, oh, this guy's wide open. I'm just going to use my arm and nothing else to, to get it to him. And I, I've seen that with Paxton a lot. I, I went back and watched a lot of his games. He makes a lot of just all arm throw, all off his back foot, no stepping into it especially on the short throws. He really struggled with that a lot. And I, I don't worry about that with Baker Mayfield. He just does a great job of resetting himself and helping to, to make himself be highly accurate when he's getting to his second and third read. Yeah, I agree completely. And finally, I wanted to touch on just Baker Mayfield, the personality. I think he's got a great personality for a quarterback. He is going to need to dial it back some. You know, I don't really care to see him grabbing a crotch and yelling at the other team when if he's on my team. But that said, I think teammates kind of would feed off that. I mean, Broncos, like you talked about, having that presence at quarterback. Peyton Manning's more business-like, where Baker Mayfield's a little bit more one of the dogs, one of the guys, you know, barking at each other, yelling at the defense. You know, it's I, I hear those Oklahoma practices get pretty competitive going back and forth at each other, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, again, people comparing him to Brett Favre. Definitely carries a chip on his shoulder. And you're going to have to – there is some maturity issues. I'm, I don't think he's not intelligent, but I would like to see him on the whiteboard. So, I mean – Gosh darn, get me, somebody get me in there on one of those interviews, whiteboard sessions. I would kill for it. I'm looking forward to the, uh, the Gruden quarterback camp this year as well with him. But overall, I'm, pr- I'm pretty impressed with him. But I got to say, I do have some negatives, obviously. I'm, definitely Carl's the highest on him here. Definitely Eric is the highest on him here. But again, I, a lot of his passes I felt like were not very tight window throws. He does show the ability to thread the needle but I'm not sure that he has the ability to get that mustard on it to get some of those tight window throws, especially in the red zone, or just definitely more commonplace in the NFL. Um, Many of his throws come off some sort of play-action concept in the shotgun, which is not very NFL translatable. I mean, you don't see that very often, except, I guess, maybe the Cam Newton scheme, which if you have a good offensive coordinator, maybe you'll use that, but I don't see teams uh, adapting that as quickly yet, at least as quickly as would be good for him. He doesn't have a natural cannon for an arm. I have seen the ball flutter down the sideline. He can put, get it there, but just the velocity that it gets there isn't the best. And also, I'd, I'd like to see him just be a little bit more conservative with his body and taking plays, uh, taking an incompletion. You know, there are times when you can throw the ball away, and that's fine, rather than taking a sack or running yourself into pressure and creating a second and 20. You know, that it's much better to be second and 10 than second and 20. Now, sometimes it leads to some great, crazy plays, but in the NFL, if you're getting sacked and it's second and 20, it's, that series is probably over, and you're putting your defense behind the eight ball when they come back out there. So just a little bit smarter in terms of when he can and cannot take risks and uh, protecting himself as well. Yeah, you mentioned uh, taking a beating, and that's definitely one thing that is a concern. And he's taken a beating at Oklahoma. The hit that really that many people are pointing to as to why he grabbed his crotch from Kansas, the defender lowered at his shoulder and was aiming for Mayfield's throwing shoulder. And that's not the only hit he's taken. He's taken a lot this year, and he just bounces right back up. I don't think I've ever seen him get up and was hobbling in any way at all this year. And that that's just something that you want to see. It's toughness, it's competitiveness, and it's just, as you mentioned, he's thick. For being as short as he is, he's pretty well built, and that's always a great thing. And if he was short and skinny, this kid would be undrafted. Like We've seen a lot of short and skinny quarterbacks that were making their way into the NFL and just not get drafted despite – college production um i do disagree about his arm a little bit and the velocity i think it's more inconsistent than him lacking it there have been some throws that he has made where it looks like the velocity is outstanding and then there's other ones where there it is fluttering downfield a little bit so that's why i just think that it's the consistency a little bit and then he's he's a leader we mentioned how he looks up his or looks his compares his playing style to Wilson, Breeze, and Favre. And when you watch it, you can see it. You can see a little bit of each one of them in him. And so many times I hear quarterbacks say this, and you don't really see the person they look up to. You don't see that in their play style. Mayfield lives up to it. You can see him sit there, and when he scrambles around, he's not running first. He's looking for the receiver. He's keeping his eyes upfield. He's doing what Russell Wilson does. His 
cockiness, his leadership, his emotions. That that's all very Favre like. Favre was very well known for how emotional he was on the field. And that's what makes that one game of his so fantastic. But that's a whole different story. But he's the my my I am higher on him than both of you. I do think that he is the top quarterback in this class. And yet while he can throw the ball away more instead of taking some hits, that is something you're just not seeing around college period. It's rare to see college quarterbacks throw the ball away. Uh, watching the USC UCLA game the other day, I was watching Darnold and Rosen, and when they would both get out and scramble and had time to throw it away, they were trying to fit it into windows, and the balls were falling incomplete. They were taking hits, and one of them I'm pretty sure threw an interception, though I may be thinking of a different game for that. It's just not something you see in the, in college anymore because it's this hero ball mentality that's spreading more and more. They want to make that big play, and the – higher star quality you are in college it seems like the more it's there but that said i would like to see him throw it away more and in the nfl he's definitely gonna have to actually throw it away more for his longevity i mean even if he is hashtag thick nfl guys are too big fast and strong if he's taking these hits this consistently he's he's gonna be injured i know you say he pops up but it's it's a different monster in the nfl now wasn't there a a game was i think it was the oklahoma state game where they said he actually didn't even practice that entire week leading up to the game because he was kind of nursing his shoulder. Is that is that right? I believe I so. Don't recall. There may have been, but I, I, I just don't I recall. Just, it seems like I was watching that game and the announcers had said something about that where he didn't practice and then here he comes out and, and puts together a pretty good game there. And <clears throat> so I, I think it just shows... I, I think that's a great showing of his toughness, but again, just showing... He's got to be careful. You need your quarterback to stay on the field. And and I've kind of wondered this a little bit, just thinking of where the game is going with terrible offensive line play. You're getting a lot more athletic quarterbacks out there. I wonder if people are going to have to start adjusting a little bit of how long they think a quarterback is going to last in the league. No more of these 15 to 18 years, but maybe 10-year kind of careers. It's possible. It depends on how much of a change we see offensively. If we start to see more and more of these Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Carolina Panther type of offenses. I mean, it's it, obviously different quarterbacks, different scheme fits. It's going to be more and more about what guy fits with what coordinator than it is, you know, top overall talent. And that's that's kind of how this draft is too. I mean, you see guys like Rosen, who's definitely a prototypical pocket passer. And then you see a guy like Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. I don't think they're a plug-and-play any single offensive scheme guy, but if you get them in the right scheme – and can build around them, I think you can find NFL success. And I think all those guys are first-round talents. I'm not a quarterback one Baker Mayfield guy. I'm not even a top 15 pick Baker Mayfield guy. But back end of round one, especially that fifth-year option with the intangibles he brings and the tape he's shown, even if he doesn't check nearly every box for me, I think that he shows enough that I'd I'd be excited to get him uh, for a second half of round one type of pick. But that being said, though, I am very much paying attention to his hand size. We talked about it when the game was happening. That game against Kansas, while they did end up winning, he played probably one of his worst games of the season. You know, maybe Kansas got into his head a little bit. I doubt it. I think more likely what was happening was that it was a bad weather game. And the 10 in hands, I'll believe it when I see it. For Austin Allen, for Arkansas, he was doing like those hand exercises and stretches and stuff to try to get his hands bigger. It didn't, didn't do enough for him, but that was a big thing. I mean, these NFL teams really care about the hand size for the quarterback. And you see those guys that are smaller quarterbacks. You know, oh, he's six foot. So is Drew Brees. So is Russell Wilson. Both those guys have over 10-inch hands. So you got to have those mitts to make up for that lack of size. Now, there are quarterbacks with smaller hands that have succeeded. Uh, Tony Romo, I think, had like eight and seven-fifths. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the biggest hand. So it's not the end-all, be-all. But if you're going to be small, short, you better have those big hands as well. At least if you're talking to me, if I was in charge here, if he had less than 10-inch hands, I would be very – skeptical about taking him super early with the some of the deficiencies he has especially on the physical side yeah i'm with you on that as i said the the 10 and chains that's just a rumor i've heard it a couple times and actually i think it was like a month ago i told you in a private message that the rumor was his hands were like nine and a half inches so they've grown a half inch since the last time i really heard it it's something to keep an eye on and yes hand size matters and velocity matters and it's I find it funny that so many fans don't realize just how much both of those matters to NFL teams. That's something that I've heard from multiple scouts that they really want to get answered. 
they want to check out his hands and see how big they are, but they also really want to see him work the whiteboard and in in interviews. That is something that there's been rumors circulating that he has struggled to pick up offenses in the past. And there's also things, also rumors that he's picked them up with ease. There's rumors that his current quarter, his current offensive coordinator had him work on some pro style concepts over the summer and he struggled to really get them down. And then there's rumors that he picked them down easily. So these scouts, they want these answers. They had, they hear these rumors, they pay attention to these rumors and they mark them down as things that they want answered. Hand size, whiteboard, throwing in the wind. That's one that the Kansas game Carl mentioned that raised up a concern about, though that's not so much a rumor. So it's something to keep an eye on. If his hand, if his hands are over, what was it? Nine and three quarter inches, I think is what I was told. Then it's not a bad thing for teams. If it's under that, then teams will probably drop them out of the first round if they have them in the first round. And he'll probably fall to the third or fourth round. Yep. And that's just the nature of the business. It's a very fickle league and they have their measurements. I mean, we talk all the time about offensive tackles and arm length. You know, if a guy is playing okay at tackle, you know, why not keep him there? Well, the NFL is a different beast. Guys are bigger, guys are longer, guys are quicker. So if you're under that 33-inch arm length, odds are you're going to get kicked inside. It's just it's just how it is, and they they have data to back it up. So it's it's definitely important, and that hand size, especially if, you know Denver. You know we do luckily play at LA and at I guess it's going to be Las Vegas going forward. But those games in December in Kansas City can be nasty. Games in Denver end of the season can be pretty nasty, and then you got those you know New England for I don't think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are ever going to die, so you're gonna, always going to have to go there until they are done. Uh, the Pittsburgh's always, you know, seems like they've been a powerhouse for 30 years. So there's definitely an issue for a team that's playing the AFC West. You know, they have some cold weather games, and it's something that needs to be addressed with that hand size. But either way, I think he's a solid, fun quarterback and probably going to be one of the most, probably the second most infatuating storyline for a quarterback going forward. I think Lamar Jackson will be a little bit more interesting just because of the you have the whole race thing, which honestly is there for some people, and then you know, oh, he's a running back, oh, he's a kickoff returner, he's a wide receiver. You know, some I've I've heard that enough that some te- NFL teams probably got to think that right, but I think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he can do it. I don't think he's a year one NFL quarterback, but I'm excited about him and I'm excited about Mayfield. But before we move on to the next guy, what is the given the stuff that you know right now? What is the highest you would take Baker Mayfield, Eric? Number one. Number one overall. Yes, number one overall. Woo! I will. I, I will deal. I would deal with his the immaturity question marks. I'll deal with all that. I, I'll deal with his hand size. I'll deal with working a scheme around him. All that stuff because this guy has it. He has what you want in a quarterback. He has it all. And what would get me to take Rosen over him is if I saw Rosen just be a little bit better when under pressure. Not, I'm not saying fantastic, just a little bit better. I'm not seeing it. I'll take Baker Mayfield with the state of the offensive lines in the NFL right now. Same question to you, Carl. Wow, number one overall. And uh, I not will, me. no, not, not me. me, not me. Um, I earliest would probably be around 15th, I would say. I, I just, th- there's enough concerns for me. The, the KU game really soured me on him. Like I said, I, I really want to see one more bad weather game, and he's not going to get it, I don't think. And uh, I just, with Denver, knowing the weather that there is there all the time, well, not all the time. I mean, it just it changes all the time. People from Denver, you know, it could be 70 degrees one day, blizzard the next day, just kind of how it goes. That's the way it is in Kansas as well. So I've seen it. I, I know the, the deal with that. So I just worry so much about that, of how he's going to handle that, because those December games, that's when you got to win. That's when you need those those last few wins to make sure you get into the playoffs. I love the leadership. I love some, like I said, the intangibles that he brings to the table. And I I do love his ability to really manipulate the pocket. That's something obviously here in Denver, we haven't seen great quality yet. There's just, just some concerns that drop him for me. He's not my quarterback. Number one right now, that'd be Rosen. And I, I still, I go back and forth on Darnold on some things. Partly with Darnold, for me, the reason I have him a little bit higher is I just have a little bit higher upside. So, and I'm just, uh, if the Broncos are drafting a quarterback in the top five, most likely it's it's going to be because they're rebuilding. It's going to be a year or two before they're really in the, the playoff Super Bowl talk again. 
if things go right, if the quarterback pans out. So that's why for me, I have Darnold just because of that higher ceiling a little bit before him. So top 15 or about 15th pick sounds good to me. All right. Well, fair enough. We will definitely see how it breaks down. I'm guessing this isn't the last time we will talk about Baker Mayfield on this podcast, but moving forward, we have a second quarterback. We want to get on here. These, these draft podcasts might get a little bit longer once the season's over, but with Carl and I already overworked and underpaid, having to do the, the scout side preview as well, having to do it. We enjoy doing it. It's not a big deal, but these, <laughs> these will be a little bit shorter until the, the season ends. Then we'll really start to dig into it with more and more juice coming from the NFL draft and the off season in general. But for now, we're going to hit a second quarterback. And many of the draft media is, I would say, darling this year. He's been one that has risen up boards tremendously. I've even seen him mocked in the first round in the NFL draft. And that I had, I had to close that mock draft as soon as I read that. I think he was like the number two overall pick even. Maybe somebody was just going for some, uh, some shock value there. But it was definitely shock value. But I'm talking about uh, NC State quarterback, former Boise State transfer, Ryan Finley, six foot four, 210 pounds, uh, was a three-star recruit just like Mayfield and, again, another transfer guy, um, getting his master's degree currently in liberal arts and has been an academic standout, a very smart kid uh, academically and on the whiteboard from what I have heard. Um, has had some issues, though, off the field. He was arrested a little bit longer ago than May- Mayfield was, but in spring of 2015 for resisting officers and under underage consumption of alcohol. Big deal, I say, for the underage consumption of alcohol, but you don't want to resist those police officers. Still, It's still an issue, though, but under 21 years old. I'm not putting too much stock into it, but – it's out there. Uh, when that happened, Finley fled from a vehicle and hid in the backyard uh, af- from the police after the vehicle was stopped. So definitely some issues with judgment there. But again, a young kid underage. Uh, been an academic all-ACC for the last couple of years. 3.889 GPA while getting his master's. So that's, that's pretty darn good. Um, and done pretty well statistically at NC State this season. All right, over 63% completion percentage, almost 3,000 yards, and a 16-5 to touchdown to interception grade. So he's been efficient while NC- at NC State. Uh, playing pretty well against some big-time competition, competition, played well against South Carolina to start the year. That's when I first saw him like, hey, this kid's got a chance to be kind of a, a point guard type of quarterback, so to speak. He doesn't really have any outstanding tools. His arm is not the best. He's not an amazing athlete. He, you know, he's not moving in space, throwing on the run incredibly, but he does a lot of things well. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him down the stretch. I, I really like a lot of these players on this NC State team, so hopefully they'll get a decent bowl. And if Finley does come out. He is a transfer junior, so it's been back and forth on whether or not he is going to come out. I've heard yes, I've heard no. We'll see. This With this quarterback class not being the best and him already going to be an older guy, I think he's 24 years old or would be 24, 24 years old. I think he might be smarter to come out, but it depends on what the NFL Draft Advisory Committee gives him. But I'm going to kick it over to Carl this time. Carl, what do you see when you watch Finley? I see, I see a guy that leaves me wanting. I guess is maybe the best way to to describe it. He has almost everything you'd like to see. He's he's almost got enough arm talent. He's almost got enough velocity. He's he is a highly accurate quarterback. I think he is a pretty smart guy on the field as well. But I just I guess I I, I like a quarterback that can hit every area of the field. And I just don't feel like Finley's got the arm strength to do that. I watched him on quite a few screen passes where because he didn't have the velocity to get it to his receiver in time, he got him blown up. And he wasn't always the most accurate on some of those screen passes because he was having to try to put so much of his body into it. Plus, with him putting so much, like I said, he have to almost turn his whole body, then wind up, get it into to the right position. I, I don't know. It just it really bothered me that teams could read that so well. And when he has a clean pocket, though, I, I, like I said, he is a highly accurate quarterback. When he has a clean pocket, has ability to step into his throws, has t- a little bit of time to go through some reads. I, there, there's plenty to like there. But I just, I guess I have this, this picture of him being that, that backup quality kind of quarterback. I, I, he'd have to get in the right system with the right coach to know how to use his kind of skill set for him to have, have success. There's, there's a couple quarterbacks in this draft that I feel like you can put in most systems and say, go out there and do this, and they're going to be decently successful. There's going to be certain systems that they're better at, obviously, but for the most part, they, they could go into about any kind of system. Finley, for me, you got to put him in a, in a certain system with a certain kind of coach and and just take advantage of his his efficiency, his accuracy. But I, I guess I, it's kind of like I watched that Clemson game, and I know everybody's kind of hyping up that first half. He went in and just shocked the world with his game against against Clemson. Started out so good. What was he, like 11 of 11 to start that game? I think it was 13 of 13. 13 of 13, okay. I mean, it was, it was crazy, and it was, it was great. 
But I also saw, saw them running about the same four or five routes. And all of a sudden, Clemson starts trying to cover most of those routes and, and saying, all right, you like those routes? We're going to take those from you, and let's see what you can do. And then all of a sudden, he just really started to struggle to get the offense to do much. And so I just feel like he's one of those quarterbacks you can make uncomfortable. You can take away things from his game. And I'm not sure that he has the, the kind of game to find those other holes. I look at one of the you Nick, you and I talked about this with Paxton Lynch of maybe one of the best throws of a Bronco quarterback of the last three years is that that deep out pattern to Damaris Thomas against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Ryan Finley is not making that throw. Nope. That that throw would get picked off. He just he doesn't have the the velocity to make that one. And so you as a team, as a defense, you don't have to worry about that area of the field. So again, it just shrinks the field down when you have a quarterback like this. So I, I think probably of the three of us, just from our conversations that we've had, I'm probably the lowest on him. I just, I, I wasn't as impressed as I was hoping when I, when I was hearing so much from the media, like you said, the media were hyping this guy up, like, Oh my goodness, this is your dark horse quarterback. That's going to rise up and teams are going to be so impressed. And I just, I watched and I'm like, I'm just left wanting more. Absolutely. And I feel, yeah, I think, I think right now I probably have him as a early day three quarterback round four kind of guy, but I mean, he could impress on the whiteboards or in interviews, but I I'm with you a bit. I think he's probably more of a upper end backup, but in the right scheme, he could get a chance to start. But before I blabber on too much longer, got to hear what Eric has to say. I actually don't completely disagree. I think he can be a late day two pick, maybe mid day two pick to the right scheme. He is one that you do have to have the right scheme for. He doesn't have that velocity. He doesn't have that strong arm. He can he can push the ball on occasion, just not consistent enough for most schemes in the NFL nowadays. Then you add in the fact that he is kind of a limited athlete. He prefers to stand in the pocket, and with how bad the offensive line play is getting in the NFL, you want somebody who has the ability to take off and run. He's shown it in college but there's a different transition into the NFL and being able to do that. Alex Smith is able to get away with it or Alex Smith is able to cover, help cover up the bad offensive line play because of how athletic he is. It also helps cover up his arm a little bit. He can, he can extend plays. He he can throw on the run pretty well. He can do all these things. And Finley, he doesn't have that athleticism. He's often compared to Alex Smith. And my favorite thing to talk about him is he's a little bit stronger armed, not much significantly less athletic Alex Smith. He's that guy who you want to run a very certain offense. And if you have him in that offense and you have the, the, a good enough team around him, he can run it very well. He can lead you to victories. He can probably even lead you to the playoffs. I don't think he can push you to a Super Bowl victory. And I struggle to see him being a Super Bowl, leading a Super Bowl contending team. I would do actually strongly disagree with Carl's analysis of the Clemson game. I think that he came out in that second half against Clemson and still played really well. Was it as great as the first half? No. Were there some issues there when they took away certain routes routes for him from him? Of course. But he still played really well. He still threw really accurately. He still made smart decisions. And he still helped move the ball. There were also a few times where I saw some drops. I saw some plays getting read early. And they were being read before he even was looking at the receiver. So it just points to as Carl was saying them knowing the routes and just jumping on them in advance because they just know what he likes to throw my biggest concern though is that velocity you can't run so many different concepts with it without velocity we saw it in Denver with Trevor Simeon they had to cut out a lot of their playbook because of his lack of velocity Brock Osweiler comes back and you start to see those concepts a little bit more Brock Osweiler and say what you want about his accuracy or anything like that that dude's got an arm and he can sling it he can sling it in tight windows. We saw it a lot against the Patriots. Saw it a couple times against the Eagles. I haven't yet been able to get around to watching the Bengals game, so I can't speak on that one. Yeah, I know I'm a little behind. Game wasn't on live up here. I like him. If I don't have the right coach for him, I wouldn't consider him before round five. If I have the right coach who can put in that right scheme, I would consider him mid-late day two. Yeah, I feel you completely. You don't want to put him in a Bruce Arian-style offense where he's asked to push the ball down the field. I do think he's a decent enough athlete where he can pick up yards where if they're give, if it's given to him, he'll take it, but he's not ever going to make opposing teams 
edge rushers have to stay home on that bootleg so much because he's a threat to take off for 15, 20 yards on that play action every time. Yeah, and, and that's go ahead. Sorry, just a quick interjection. Yeah, and that's one thing that the Chiefs have in Alex Smith. They actually have plays designed for him to take off and run it. You just can't do that with Finley. Yeah, he's more of a point guard type of quarterback where you can get him in there and he probably will be a great backup for you. I can spot start when need be, but you really, if he's your starting quarterback, you're looking for a guy to replace him every year. Kind of that, I mean, I'm not going to, I think he's a better prospect than Trevor Simeon is or was, but just not enough tools that you think this can be the guy for your team, pushing them forward for multiple years. I want to say for both both Baker Mayfield and uh, Finley, they have great weapons as well at their disposal. disposal. I can't believe I didn't bring up Mark Andrews for the Oklahoma Sooners. He plays wide receiver slash tight end for them, 6'5", 250 pounds. Kind of looks like Kelsey out there with his ability to catch the ball and run after the catch. Not as dynamic, I think, but definitely he's my number one tight end right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up around one pick. And they also have that running back, uh, Anderson, I want to say his name is. That game against Oklahoma State, Anderson had like four touchdowns or something. It was insane. So some great athletes there. And i got to talk about NC State. Eric, when you said that NC State wide receiver number three is awesome, I was peeing my pants because I had hyped him multiple times to you guys, and everybody just kind of scrolled past it because, God damn it, Nick, we haven't even gotten to the 2018 draft yet. Quit talking about 2019. Kelvin Harmon <laughs> – Kelvin Harmon for NC State is a dog. I freaking every time I watch NC State, I kind of watching for Finley, kind of watching for some other guys. The defensive line, obviously Bradley Chubb, um, Kevin Street, BJ Hill, some fun guys on that defensive line. But man, Harmon is going to be a great NFL player. I, I'm honestly, I know Broncos have some issues, you know, maybe moving on from Manuel Sanders. I, hopefully not DT, but maybe. But if they are looking to go wide receiver early in the draft. Please wait till 2019. I think the 2019 for wide receivers looks like a special class. But anyway, that's my little tidbit there. You also got um, Haynes, who's a pretty good running back for the NC State Wolfpack. And then really good, versatile, fun player. Some people have compared him to Aaron Hernandez. Some people have compared him to Marcel Reese. But Jalen Samuels, where's number one for them? He's running back, fullback, tight end, wide receiver, and just moves around. And they get that guy the ball. He's easy to see when you're watching tape, too. He wears number one. That's a pretty obvious guy to stick out. But very fun player. And Finley does a good job using his weapons. I mean, can't fault him for that. But I think a lot of the plays, especially the vertical passes down the field, are a lot to do with the, the talent that he has to throw to rather than you know making pinpoint throws with great velocity and touch outside the hash marks. Is that good enough or do you want to move on? I'd say that's good enough on that. All right. Now, before we get to the next part of the podcast here, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You know, you're kind of getting tired of this Broncos season. Check them out. They got some football history books on there. If you want to learn and become a smarter fan, they got plenty of coaching books on there. Or, you know, you're just tired of it all in general. They got great fiction. I mean, literally over 180,000 titles. And Eric, who can't read, I always like to bring that up. Eric, we're proud of you, buddy, getting this far. Audible is great, great for the kids, great for family, you know, car functions. You know, if you're trying to take in information, but you're too busy, go to Audible, get a book, and you, you can pump through a lot of books. I mean, I've I had a car trip to Colorado a couple couple weeks ago, and Audible, I don't think I'd have gotten through driving through Nebraska. Go Hawks, we're playing them this week. But I don't think I'd have gotten through Nebraska without the ability to listen to Audible. So, again, go on checking audible.com at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All righty. Well, now this is the interesting part that I didn't tell you guys about. I was honestly curious if any of you guys would see it. I put it in the notes, and I was waiting to see if anybody would comment on it. But I think we're going to you know, start to break down this draft, and I will fill it in as we go along. With the first 10 picks here, the Bronco mock draft, that means I'm going to probably get a pick twice here. Or Actually, since we're going to come to consensus with the Broncos, that won't be the case. But with the first pick, I got the 0-10 Cleveland Browns, and I just think it's too good of a fit. They have their prototype size. They need a quarterback. I don't think Kaiser is the guy, especially the new regime coming in. I think Josh Rosen's got to be the pick for the Browns, especially if you bring in a guy like Josh McDaniels. Starting a rumor here. I think he's a great fit. And then you have that uh, next pick coming up later going to be in the top 15 maybe the top 10 uh, they can look to add a weapon or maybe more defense in that regard but this team is going nowhere until they get a quarterback after seeing how Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz did I don't think this new regime that's coming in will make the same mistake they're going to get their guy and I think that guy's going to be Josh Rosen yeah I think it all just depends on who they hire for their new regime and if Sam Darnold comes out Sam Darnold doesn't come out I think no matter what it's Rosen if he comes out then there's going to be a debate I still lean towards Rosen though just because 
there was that little report that Darnold would return if the Bing, if the Browns ended up with the first overall pick. So that may may sour the owner and new staff a little bit on actually wanting to bring him in and to a fan base that may have taken offense to that. So I'm not sure how they can though. Cause it's completely true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> they, they got to be honest with themselves of what their team is. I think they're the first team in NFL history to start two seasons in a row. zero and 10. Thought it was I guess three. three. Yeah. Three, three. three seasons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it's been so terrible. I, yeah, but no, I, I agree. I think Josh Rosen, most likely the choice. He's probably one of the safest quarterbacks. Just he's got that prototypical quarterback. He's accurate. He's got good mechanics, smart mind, especially for Josh McDaniels with his complicated offense that he likes to run. He likes to put in a lot of things in there. So he needs a quarterback that can process it all. Or even if that's Jim, who it is. Or even Jim Bob Cooter or most of these offensive coordinators that are looking to get jobs. A lot of them will take that quarterback that can just stand in there. And I just want to touch on this. I do have Baker Mayfield, my number one overall quarterback. But the reason why I'm not going to even make an argument here for him is the Browns need a safe guy. Baker Mayfield's not that safe guy. And after taking Johnny Manziel with that attitude, I can't I can't really see them being willing to take Mayfield's, even though I think Mayfield's a lot more toned down. I just think they want to go with the safer guy, which is why I just go with Rosen. You're living up to your nickname there, Eric. Can't pronounce nicknames. Manziel. Manziel? Manziel. Manziel? Yeah. <laughs> Stop trying to French it up, French it up son. Yeah. Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, moving on. Carl has the 49ers. Is there any easier pick in the draft than this one? I don't think so. Saquon Barkley of Penn State. They already got their quarterback, obviously, with their trade for for the Jimmy G from the from the Patriots. So really the big need that they have is this running back getting the number one player probably on most teams' boards. It just seems like a... a a pairing that's it's just perfect. I don't know. There's just no no better pick right now for them. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And also with Kyle Shanahan there and how they've used Freeman and Coleman, well, how he used them in Atlanta, getting that running back that can be that receiving weapon flared out, just a really just a pass option on every single play can really help that team. I think this is a foregone conclusion. If San Francisco has a chance at Barkley, he's the guy. Yeah, they've constantly been looking at different running backs, wanting to bring in somebody else. They don't like Carlos Hyde. They don't like any of the other running backs they really have on roster, except for Joe Williams. They want a guy who can be more in between the tackles and still provide that. And Barkley just makes so much sense, pairing him with Williams and that speed or somebody else with speed. And then with Jimmy G, they don't, they don't need a quarterback. If they do take quarterback which they probably will. They won't do it until like round three or four. Basically kind of what Washington did with RG3 and Cousins, except they traded for their quarterback instead of trading a bunch of picks to get their quarterback. You don't think C.J. Beathard's going to stick on? He's actually been more impressive down the stretch. He does have some issues you know, with arm strength and whatnot, but mobility and leadership qualities are all there, and I've heard that they like him. They, they do like him. What I was meaning is that they'll grab that guy who can probably – be that third quarterback or even try and sneak onto their practice squad or get, I'm not going to pronounce it, CJ onto the practice squad because you, you they want those guys that can still compete just in case Jimmy G isn't it. That's why I think they go and go ahead and draft another quarterback. Um, CJ, the rookie, Jimmy G, they all can compete for the backup spot with Jimmy G likely the starter. And if he fails, then you still have the two other guys. All righty. Well, that will move it to Eric with the third pick, the two and eight New York Giants. This one's actually hard if Sam Darnold stays in school. I say let's assume for now Sam Darnold stays in school. Okay, Sam Darnold stays in school. I actually really don't have an idea. I could see them go Connor Williams. I could see them go defensive back, maybe getting Fitzpatrick to add with Collins. I'm not sure who their other safety is off the top of my head. Darian Thompson from Boise State. Not ringing a bell. He was a third-round pick a couple years ago. He's done okay for him. Yeah, um, yeah, that reminded me that the third round pick part. Yeah, he's. I watched a lot of their tape, and I, I did see that they needed that uh, safety, and they can move Thompson to that third safety. They can go receiver. I'm kidding. They can go defensive line. They can go linebacker. New coach coming in, probably new general manager. All these different moving parts. They want a quarterback. They want Rosen or Darnold. If Darnold, if Darnold comes out, then it will be whichever one is still available if the Browns take one. But for the sake of this, I'm going to say that they go with Connor Williams because their tackle play this year has been atrocious. 
No. no that's, just, that's disheartening for me as a Bronco fan, but I, I think that's the pick that would be made there as well. I'm surprised you didn't pine for your guy, Baker Mayfield, especially with the Eagles offensive coordinator being the guy that's the most heavily rumored to be the coaching favorite for the New York Giants job. Mara would never allow that. All right. Well, this is going to move on to me with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, having selected Malik Hooker last season, I think the Colts would have loved to add an offensive lineman, but instead they're going to add some defensive front talent. They've been okay getting the pa- getting to the passer this year, but they can get better yet. And, and although they run a 3-4, it's been more of a hybrid this season. And with a new coaching coach coming in, they might switch back to a 4-3. I don't know. So for now, I'm going to take the top edge rusher on my board, and that's Bradley Chubb. What do you guys think? I think you totally screwed me over by saying Donald, assuming Donald returns to school. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it sounds like right now. Uh, Oh yeah. I actually have it written down on my notes of who I think everybody was taking. And it's Donald or Rosen right next to the giants. I didn't even consider anybody else. So I'm glad to put you on the spot and make it hard for you. (laughs) What about you, Carl? Have you watched much Bradley Chubb yet? I have. And it seems like a very logical choice something that they need for sure that the that defense just needs an influx of talent pretty much at every level they they just have a pretty bad defense you're asking me i think it was during the the uh preview of who has a worse back seven than the raiders i was kind of thinking well just the colts in general just their whole defense like i said it, it's just not good it sounds like their number one cornerback once out of town after this season so bradley chubb Nice young piece to build around for them. And I just, I don't see anybody else that really jumps off the chart. That's after about the first four or five picks here. I I think the next group of players, there's just not as much separation as you'd see in some past years for drafts. Yeah, I'm pretty underwhelmed with the top of this draft, to be completely honest. I think it's got decent depth, but the top of the class, I feel like it's very reminiscent to 2013, where you got some guys. Sorry. Just for the record, I actually have Bradley Chubb going to the Colts right now. It just makes too much sense. They have some issues in the secondary, but the, a lot of the guys that they have on their injured reserve right now or set for next year on their practice squad are defensive back guys. So I can see them just – I can see them pat waiting until the second or third round before they address it. And getting after the quarterback is one of the top things that you have to do in the NFL right after having the quarterback and protecting the quarterback. you got to be able to get after the quarterback. Chubb just makes too much sense. I agree completely because I made the pick. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, the fifth pick, Denver Broncos currently projected there at three and seven. And I have a feeling I'm going to be overruled here, but let's hear it, guys. Who do, you, who do you want? You've taken pretty much the two guys that I would really consider for this spot <clears throat> with saying that Darnold's going to go back to school and then, of course, Connor Williams then going to the Giants. Those would be my top two choices. So <laughs> this is – I'm torn here. See? Not really sure. Having Darnold go go back to school uh, just hurts us more because on my sheet of paper I have I have Connor Williams going to the Broncos, but Darnold went back to school, so he goes to the Giants. Shame on you, Nick. I'm sorry, I'm making it hard on us. I'm gonna make a plea. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna be different here. I'm gonna say let's go after Minka Fitzpatrick, safety slash cornerback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know it's not really a need, but Darian Stewart hasn't played the best this season. Uh, Justin Simmons has been up and down, and that third safety, Will Parks or whoever, has not been great. I think Fitzpatrick is a ball magnet. Um, he's making plays on the ball all the time. I definitely say he's the leader for that team, and I think he's the top defender on my board that's not named Bradley Chubb. So adding a, adding just the best overall player on the board and keeping that no-fly zone elite is important. And I'm, I know you need quarterback. I know you need offensive line, but I don't think I'm taking a guard top five in the draft, and I don't think Mike McGlinchey is a top – five talent in this draft as well. So I'm going to go with the best talent here in Minka Fitzpatrick. That's where I would go. And uh, just look to add needs with the day three picks, which the Broncos are currently projected to have three of. I'm honestly having trouble disagreeing with that pick because if I can't find a player that I feel like is top 10 talent that fits need, then might as well just go top guy on the board. And he's been having just a ridiculous season. It is crazy how good it's been. But I mean, that Alabama defense is so good. I would say one area that Alabama has always been very good at producing top players is kind of that safety position. They've done pretty good at that. So I guess I I can't completely disagree with going ahead and doing that one. I I kind of thought a little bit just because of the idea that Sanders is going to be gone and even maybe DT of going Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley's game. He is like my perfect. uh, If I was designing a wide receiver, he's my guy. 
he just has that that kind of skill set and some of it depends on i guess what we do at the quarterback position are we going free agent are we going trying to get to the draft because if we go draft it's going to be hard to sit and wait i guess yeah i i hate to i hate to do the whole reach thing but this is honestly if the draft did play out this way i'd be looking to trade down very heavily i was just gonna say that i would be looking to trade down right here because there isn't anybody that i want i don't have fitzpatrick even rated in my top 15 Ooh. so i there's stuff about his game that I just really, really don't like. I would never be okay with him here at five. Calvin Ridley, I could actually get on board with Calvin Ridley. I would actually rather try to trade down and pick him up, though. Uh, Then you have uh, Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Then you have, of course, Baker Mayfield. You want that quarterback, but the sense I'm getting is that the Broncos want to get that quarterback in free agency and then take one a little bit later in the draft. Other top offensive linemen, you've got McClinchy, you got Brown, you got the... Rankin. Rankin. And if I if if I had to choose between one of those two, I would actually go Rankin. He kind of seems to fit that mold that the Broncos are looking for. I I would say again, I say that I would rather trade down here and pick up one of them. Connor Williams is off. I don't have another person that really fits with Denver in the top five. So that's what I'd be doing. But I'm just gonna throw Rankin out there for that was that's who I would go here. I think Rankin's a guy that's going to move up boards pretty quickly. His tape against Bama was awesome. He's looking better and better every game. And I think I would not be surprised at all if he was the second offensive tackle taken off the board. He does have some technical issues, but man, he we'll, we'll save the, the total tackle breakdown for a podcast coming up. But I'm, I'm definitely liking what I see from Rankin. But sorry to out really, Eric, for now to move the podcast along. It's two, two against one. We're going to go with Minka here. Luckily, this is just a mock draft, so you don't have to hold it, hold it against us. <laughs> but that will move Eric, or that will move Carl on to the Bears picking at three and seven. Well, then this this is an easy pick for me. I would go Calvin Ridley for this pick. They absolutely need a number one wide receiver. They have probably bottom two wide receiver core with Kevin White hurt, and I'm not sure that he's ever going to really pan out. He's just continuously injured. I actually had Kevin White rated higher than Amari Cooper when that draft was happening, but you didn't expect, Hey, this guy's going to stay injured and never get onto the field. So again, you're, you're needing to produce weapons for your, your number one quarterback that you just drafted number two overall the year before. And Calvin Ridley, number one wide receiver on my board. One of my favorite players in this draft, because I'm a wide receiver guy and just seems like a perfect pairing. No arguments at all for me. I think that's easy as it gets. Yeah. That's the, that's the second easiest pick of this mock so far. Just you have that quarterback, you need that receiver. Kevin White just can't stay on the field. They have no one else. That's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All right, Chargers at seven, four and six. You're on the clock, Eric. See, if Fitzpatrick was available, I would be considering him here. I'm considering offensive line. McClinchy, Brown, Rankin. Rankin's my number two offensive tackle now. I think he's going to continue rising up boards. Yes, there's some technical issues, but he's just – really good even with the technical issues he's still really good he knows how to cover those issues a little bit and he just kind of fits with the mentality that anthony lynn wants to bring with that run first mentality he's i think he's actually a really good blocker um when he's driving keeping his legs churning there are some issues there but that's just where i can kind of where i kind of see them going another one i would actually consider strongly too is orlando brown putting him in at right tackle and really boosting that run game Orlando Brown's best attribute is his run uh, blocking. And then there's struggles in the pass blocking. So if they want to get run first, that's him. And for that reason is why I'm actually going to go Brown, even though I don't think he is a top 20 pick. Wow, that shocked me. I don't think Orlando Brown's a round one player when I watch him. But if you're building that type of offense, especially with Anthony Lynn and that heavy run game, I mean, I guess it makes sense. All right, well, this will move me on to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm debating on a couple guys right here. I'm debating on... Deron Payne, defensive tackle from Alabama. Derwin James is up there. But I feel like they have to go offensive line. Bengals have to go offensive line. They're a team with a worse offensive line than the Broncos. And from what I've heard, they do like Mike McGlinchey. I think Martinez Rankins could rise up higher. I think he's more versatile, offers higher upside. But I think Mike McGlinchey is a safer pick. And he's kind of that typical, steady offensive lineman that, you know, they lost Andrew Whitworth. You can bring in Mike McGlinchey and help that run games, help Giovanni Bernard, help. Joe Mixon and help that offensive line just get more talent on it. Yeah. All right. Oh, good. That'll bring. Does anybody have any comments? Or should we just move along? Let's just move it along. I, I think <clears throat> you're right. Bengals are almost kind of forced to go offensive line. I, I could see Quentin Nelson there. Yeah. Lynchy's playing partner, but 
otherwise uh, they're going to have to do something there. Yeah, I agree. It comes down to Nelson or McGlinchey. McGlinchey they have as their top offensive tackle. Nelson as their top offensive guard right now, from what I've heard. Just they're missing that guy who can also help protect the edge against the rushers, really. So that's why I think they go McGlinchey over Nelson. Good pick for me, I guess. So moving on to the number nine, Oakland Raiders. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Derwin James here. Ooh. With Obi and Carl. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about Obi that they drafted him. Never mind. Let me let me change my. Can, can I throw a name out there? Yeah, go ahead. Guys, that running game is atrocious, and Lynch is not it. That's true. They could really want to get back into that run game. That that's a good that, hook. I like that one. I that's... could see Colin Farrell as well. Yeah, I can see an edge guy, but I, they really need to get that run game going. That's what's really missing this year, and it's holding the offensive back. They. I do think that firing Musgrave and promoting the uh, their current offensive coordinator help, didn't help that fact. But not having a run game to take some of that pressure off Carr, it's very, very clear. I think they have. I think they're actually forced to make that pick. Okay. What do you think, Carly? Kind of hijacked it. But I know. I, I, but I, I agree. I, I kind of forgot about Obi. I'm not sure that I see a cornerback that I'm sitting here saying, "Oh yeah, this guy's a top ten pick." But I thought Derwin, some to their secondary, but. Again, yeah, I completely forgot about Obi because he hasn't really played this year hardly. And so, yeah, no, guys, makes a lot of sense for them. Matches very much a position of need with, I would say, very much a, a value pick still. still. I mean, he, he's a great running back. He's not been talked about as much as, as Barkley, obviously, but he definitely deserves plenty of attention. Absolutely. Well, if you don't mind, Carl, since he hijacked your pick, I'm going to give this one to... The 10th pick to Eric, unless Eric feels like giving it to you. No, go ahead. Somebody else can take it. I mean, no, I'll, I'll, mention, I'll mention who I had for him, but Cardinals can go so many ways. Uh, I had them go on Quentin Nelson. There's so many different ways they can go. <laughs> Most of their offensive line is set to hit free agency. The interior of that offensive line has been underwhelming, to say the least. I, I think it's a good pickup, but there's just so many ways. I just couldn't pinpoint one person. And Nelson was just kind of the guy that I landed on. Would would the Cardinals be scared off at all by the fact that their last guard that they picked in the top 10, I mean, failed miserably? No, because I don't think teams really look at that, really. If, if looking at all these different teams and stuff like that, you see them take a guy high at a certain position and he fails. They're not they don't show a hesitancy to go back to it. Um, Denver, Brock Osweiler, then they take Lynch a few years later. I mean, situations were a little drastically different there. That's just the first example that comes to mind. And I know there's other examples out there. I think that's more of an issue of if it came from the same school, maybe, because then you wonder if it's coach, then you start to get a question about coaching, especially in this case, because a lot of the um, concerns were with uh, that guard that they took that he wasn't coached up well enough. So I, I can see that being an issue if they play were from the same school, but from different schools, no. And especially with how clean Nelson looks. I'm I'm agreement. I was gonna say Nelson. It'd be hard for me to see Nelson fall out of the top ten. There's just I, I just don't see really much of a weakness to his game. I know it's a guard position, but you're you're still seeing around the NFL teams are just clamoring for anything offensive line wise. And with like I said, with Nelson being so clean, it's it's hard to want to pass up on such a player. They're day one, and he's going to be a quality starter for you. Yeah, especially point to further that David Johnson is their offensive identity. So anything you can do to help that guy right now, I think you do it. And Quentin Nelson probably helps him arguably more than any player in this class. So I think that's a good fit for them and pretty good mock draft. Didn't fall the way I'd hoped it would for the Broncos because I was hoping for Connor Williams or Saquon Barkley. But that's what you get for picking five. I guess we have to lose some more games. But Connor Williams is in sight. That's that's honestly my dream right now. I, his game against West Virginia, man. Whew, that was, I mean, it's West Virginia, not the best team. One of the better defensive teams in the Big 12, but not the best, but still. Good play. So we'll run it down for you. Number one, the Browns, Josh Rosen. Number two, the 49ers, Saquon Barkley. Number three, the Giants, Connor Williams. Number four, the Colts, Bradley Chubb. Number five, the Broncos, Minka Fitzpatrick. Number six, the Bears, Calvin Ridley. Number seven, the Chargers, Orlando Brown Jr. Number eight, Bengals, Mike McGlinchey. Number nine, Raiders, Darius Geis. Number 10, Cardinals, Quentin Nelson. And that will wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for coming on here with us. Carl, it's always a pleasure. Eric, eh. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can. I can <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just totally teasing. But yeah, it's always fun. And I think, I think we'll probably do quarterbacks 
a uh, couple more episodes going forward just to kind of break down some of these guys. Who, who are you guys feeling next week? I feel like we probably should do Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's sounds think good. Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Let's just get some. Oh, not Josh Allen. Yeah, it's. I mean, you got to talk about him. He's got a Senior Bowl invite if he wants it. So it's he's going to be one to talk about. Mm. Just watch the highlights. The highlights are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Number one overall pick. Yeah, if highlights told the tale, absolutely in love. But that's that's far from the truth. So let's let's do it. Lamar oh. Jackson and Josh Allen. We're doing it. We're doing it live. No, we're I'm going to fight it. this. I'm going to fight Josh Allen. I'm going to fight it. You don't have to come on next week if you don't want. I know you're busy with the kid. No, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson. I just don't want to talk about Josh Allen yet. Yet? Oh, well, it's it's time. Unless you got, unless yeah. we can come up with somebody else. That was the main event. So, all right. Well, that will wrap up this episode. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, MHH. You can find Eric at Eric Trickle. And you can find myself at Nick Kendall, MHH. Again, we, on, we are your non-local bloggers. Shout out to Mike Kliss for giving us a new identity. We might even change our Facebook group name to that. I think that's a pretty good one, the non-local bloggers. Uh, you can find our Bronco content on Mile High Huddle on scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. You can also follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We have audio up on YouTube every week. You can check that out, leave comments. We'd love to get on there and talk with you guys. Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to share and subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love talking with you guys. I mean, we're just we're just bloggers, but we do have some sources and we have some solid takes, I'd say. Things kind of come to fruition when you put in so much time and effort and they'll be start working to get better and know what you're seeing. So not to toot our own horns, but we I feel like we do a pretty good job breaking down these podcasts and things things tend to go the way we see them. You know, there's always that human factor. But I would say that we do a pretty good job. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up the second episode of the 2017 Draft Huddle Up podcast, 2018 Draft Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile High Huddle.